Ladies and gentlemen, good morning and welcome back to 80s Wrestling, the podcast. My name is Jumpin' Jay, and as always, I'm joined by Tommy, the Icon Fierro. Maybe Surfer Tommy today. We'll have to check in and see what kind of face paint he's rocking. Tommy, good morning to you, brother. <laughs> hey, good morning, man. How are you? And uh, yeah, today we're talking about the career of Sting, who was obviously the face of WCW for many, many years. And uh, it's interesting because he's still going strong today. And and he had two completely different characters that captivated an entire nation of wrestling fans. So it's going to be interesting to talk today about the career of Sting and if uh, you're listening to the show right now, you can call in and share your favorite Sting memories and moments with us. Are you, uh, if you had to pick one, is it Surfer Sting or the Icon Sting, the dark version of Sting, uh, where he was up in the rafters and playing games and mind tricks on NWO? Which Sting do you prefer if you had to pick one? I know both were fantastic characters so give us a call let us know area code is 516-595-8295 once again that's 516-595-8295 taking your calls live this morning here on 80s wrestling the podcast but before we begin jumping jay a couple housekeeping items i want to bring up here at the top of the show some, you know, I'm in my shop the other day, you know, doing some work, minding my own business, and I get a package delivered to me to the wrestling collector from, and I'm not even making this up, on the return label, Jumping J. So I'm taken back by it. I'm like, what's in this? You know, it's obviously not, you know, 100 Wrestling Eye magazines because I know that you don't get that out there. So I opened up the package. And my main man, Jumpin' Jay, was so kind to send some items for the shop, including some um, Hasbro life-size cutouts, um, some posters. And my favorite, Jay, which I was very surprised by, he sent three LJN figures for the shop to sell. Ricky Steamboat, Andre the Giant, and Paul Orndorff. So, Jumpin' Jay, thank you for the care package. Guess what, brother? I'm going to send you one out today. So hopefully you get that by next Thursday so you can talk about what you got in your care package next week here on 80s Wrestling, the podcast. Well, I'm glad that the mailman delivered it nice and safely to you, Tommy. It's just some things I had laying around in my closet that I wasn't putting to use. And I know when you have the largest wrestling collectible store on the East Coast, you can always use fresh merchandise. So I hope you're able to sell some of it. If you can't sell it, give it away, throw it away. It's yours, brother. I'm glad that that it got to your door safely. Listen, I know you have a big, big weekend coming up with everything you do. And so we are going to save time in the show to talk about ISPW, to talk about the rock and wrestling musical, the last match to talk everything in the world of Tommy. But I'm telling you, man, this sting topic has people lining up on the wrestling collector hotline to talk to us. We're four caller deeps already. My man, are you ready to start talking about the icon sting? This first number, this, this gets me excited because it's a number that's not, logged in our record of phone numbers. Every time a caller calls in, we keep a record. I'm looking at the list right now. This is an unknown number, which is always exciting because it could be a first-time caller or it could just be our bookkeeping is a little sloppy. But we're going to take this first caller, area code 201. You are caller one to start the conversation about Sting. Good morning. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Good morning, gentlemen. I'm calling from New Jersey. Uh, my name's Joe. Love the show. Gets me through my early morning commute. <laughs> nice. Joe, fellow Jersey man. How you doing, brother? Good, thank you. Good, thank you. I mean, my favorite version of Sting obviously goes through my childhood, the surfer. I think, uh, you know, his color, his, you know, he was a real superhero. He, he was my Batman, 
my Captain America, you know, growing up. Uh, my best memory of the Surfer Sting, obviously, was the Ric Flair stuff, but the Big Van Vader stuff, Star K-92, Sting had gotten beaten by him all year, and then Sting finally got his revenge. It was a pretty uh, Rocky Balboa-type match. Sting took a beating. Sting caught him with a power slam off the, the second rope. Pretty good match, too, obviously. And then WCW, you know, the poor booking, they kind of ruined the Crow thing, in my opinion. You know, they built it so strong with a great storyline. Then the whole Starcade flop, and then the Wolfpack flop, I don't know. Just wasn't it for me, but, you know, been supporting Sting since 87. Nice. Now, Joe, being a, being a Jersey guy, did you grow up a and, – and if you don't mind me asking, how old are you? 40. Okay, so you're right. I'm, I'm, 40, I'm 45, so you're right in that same realm as, as me and Jay. So you, you grew up in New Jersey, which is, you know, WWF at the time territory. Were you were you a, a bigger fan of the WWF or or the NWA time? I'm, I'm only asking for a reason. NWA WCW because uh, it was on TV more than WWF. They had so many, you know, they had the Chicago Channel, they had the Power Hour at 6:05 in the morning. I saw more of NWA because it was on more. It was like three or four shows on Saturdays, where the WWF yeah. just had superstars. Uh, but, I mean, I grew up liking the WWF, too, but I was always an NWA, WCW guy, even till their terrible ending. Nice, nice, man. And, and the, the reason I was asking is I was going to ask you, would you have liked to have seen, uh, obviously, you know, far later in his career, he eventually <laughs> made his way to the WWE, but being a, a huge Sting fan, like it sounds like you were, uh, would you have liked to have seen Sting have a run in the WWF at the time, maybe in the late 80s to early 90s, mixing it up with, you know, the, their roster at that time. Absolutely. I think uh, when, you know, the Lex Express thing, I think that could have been Sting. And I think Pinion was in the WWF in the late 80s, early 90s. Maybe Bret Hart or Shawn Michaels might not have, not have gotten their push like they did because Sting was super over then. And he yeah. was pretty athletic for a big guy. He could jump over the ropes, strong, charismatic. I mean, a lot of things could have been different. The wrestling history could have been different if he went to WWF in the late 80s, early 90s. I'll tell you what, Jay, he brings up a good point there, doesn't he? He brings up an excellent point. You wonder if Shawn Michaels or Bret Hart would have had the chance to run with the ball had Surfer Sting made the transition. That is a very interesting idea. Joe, let me ask you this. You brought up Big Van Vader, and I'm so happy you did because I love him. I love him more in WWE than in the WWE. But when it comes to Sting, if you had to pick one iconic opponent, one rivalry, would it be Vader or would you lean towards more like a Ric Flair? Who's your rival for Sting? Ooh, uh, I gotta say Tough Vader. One. Not not because not because Flair wasn't. Flair had Dusty Rhodes and Ricky Steamboat too. Vader really only had Sting. I like it. That's a, that's sure. a great point. Yeah. Well, and just well, Vader, a, Vader, Vader did have Cactus Jack too. They had some brutal matches as well. Yeah, they did. Those were pretty good. Hey man, well I appreciate you calling in for the first time and. I, it means a lot to me and Jay knowing that you listen to us on your morning commute every week. And definitely call back in the future, man. All right. Thanks, guys. Have a good day. All right. You too, Joe. Thank you. Joe brings up an interesting question. What would have the landscape of the World Wrestling Federation looked like had Sting made a jump in that late 80s, early 90s? Could have absolutely changed everything, Tommy. We're yeah, going to keep we'll, this we'll conversation more about that going. Later. We'll talk more about that because right now we're going to the West Coast. Somebody who might have had a little surfing in his own lifetime. We're talking about longtime caller, friend of the show, Babyface Brian. Good morning, sir. Jumping J icon Tommy Fierro as uh, Hawkins Sting today. Fun stuff. Yeah, man. How are you today? Oh, doing good. Um, I won't keep you long because I'm not one of the guys that got to watch uh, Sting all the time. I think... If I'd gotten more NWA programming, like it was so rare out here to 
have it just show up on a, uh, you know, recorded at three in the morning on some weird, uh, you know, broadcast TV, antenna TV, when it was filled into a slot that I didn't get enough NWA. But, uh, man, I could see myself jumping on the sting train in a hurry if I'd gotten more of that. And, and, uh, and like Joe said before, I think if he was uh, in WWF, he would have shot to the moon. Um, him and uh, he and Ultimate Warrior coming up at the same time, being the same age. They were born like three months apart, something like that. Ding, when you look back on it, he was definitely the more polished performer. He could do, like Joe said, jump over the top rope. He could uh, do drop kicks that... Uh, well, Warrior did him every once in a while, but but Sting, you know, he had the military press like uh, like Warrior did. He was fantastic in the ring. It's just the presentation in NWA versus WCW was so different. You know, Warrior blew himself up running to the ring, getting the uh, the crowd excited, but Sting could go 45 minutes with Flair and uh, and carry a, a long match like that. And and the the interviews were so different. You know, with the WWF, they uh, they kept the interviews on a pretty tight schedule it'd be a minute and a half two minutes and and warrior of course had rambling interviews you weren't sure exactly what he was talking about sting it seemed like he just let guys say whatever they wanted and so his interviews they weren't they weren't polished but but you could tell he had charisma and he was he's speaking from the heart every time and uh it's something where that that guy was uh, and is a true performer. He's been doing it for 37 years now. So all the respect in the world to Sting. And uh, and if I had to choose, I would go with uh, Surfer Sting just from you know being the uh, the the guy I, I first saw in the magazines and got to see very you know little bit. And and uh, my my favorite Sting memory as far as the stuff I watched back is uh, probably that that clash of the champions where they ran head to head against WWF for uh, WrestleMania four and really, you know, elevated sting to main event status by having the, uh, the, the time limit draw against Ric Flair and, and just brought him up from uh, being a UWF guy that came over in uh, late 87 to NWA brought him up to that main event status. And, and it just took off from there. Brian, I, I know you're a huge LJN wrestling figure guy. I'm wondering, is there any old school surfer figure in your collection of stuff? No, I wish I had some of the galoobs. I bet uh, I bet Tommy has them through the store every once in a while. I think they're, you know, a little bit smaller looking, than the LJNs. I'm looking at a I'm looking at a Ric Flair, Sid, and Barry Windham right now. Oh, that's uh, three classic figures: the Ric Flair and the Sting. Um, if you had Sting, that but Ric Flair would be on my list of guys that I'd want to have. Uh, Barry Windham, of course. Um, it, you know, Sid to a lesser extent, but you know, if I had to pick two, it'd probably be uh, oh, Flair and Sting uh, would be top of the list for those uh, Galoob figures. And yeah, right. Uh, you know, I was wondering. Uh, I've been wondering what. Uh, what Jay has added to the LJN collection. If he had doubles of the ones that he, uh, the Steamboat and the Andre uh, that he sent and the Orndorff that he sent you, or if he's decided to stop collecting them. I know uh, a couple months ago, a few months ago, he got a real nice Harley race. So I wasn't uh, sure if uh, Jumpin' Jay had added any LJNs to the collection lately. Well, I appreciate you asking. And the the figures I sent to Tommy were doubles in my collection. Sometimes when you buy them off eBay, they'll come in. You know, you can buy – maybe you only want one figure, but the guy's selling it as a three-pack, so you buy it. And so I sent Tommy some doubles. The most recent figure I added was a Brett the Hitman. That was, I was super excited to add uh, Hitman. I had Jim the Anvil, so I added Brett Hart. And then uh, heartbreaking, I lost an eBay bid for a big boss man about a week and a half ago. That still haunts my dreams. How how much how much was it going for? I mean, how much did it end that? And what the, what was your bid on the big boss man? Yeah. It's, it's a very sought after figure, and this eBay auction was extremely underpriced. Okay, so I weighed it. And I waited, and I waited till there was about two minutes left, 
the bid, the current bid was just over a hundred bucks. So I put in 135 for a boss man. I think that's a very nice price. It ended up selling for something. That's so cheap. In the last 30 seconds, it got up over 300 bucks in a blink of an eye. People were just waiting and waiting for it to get close to the end, and then they sniped it at over 300 bucks. It just blew up at the end. Did it, did even, it have a dude, nice even, stick? Even 300, even 300 is a decent price for it. It is. It did not have the nice stick, and and it wasn't mint by any means. But it was. It would have been just fine for my for my collection. Yeah, if it had the original nightstick, I could see it easily going for twice that. They've, uh, I, I jumped in and completed my collection and uh, pretty much in 2015, 2016, and uh, Bossman back then you could get them for between 100 and 150, and uh, and now all those LJNs have just shot up, you know, through the roof. And so I'm still looking for a Roddy Piper with the actual brown boots. I don't have one of those, so if you see one of those, Tommy, okay. let me know. Yeah. Uh, but, so do you collect but, uh, all this is off topic but do you collect all the variants like the like I have two Jesse Venturas one has like a blonde mustache the other one more of a brown mustache do you collect variants or is it just you collect one of each I, I've got I've got most of the variants so I don't do. have uh yeah I don't have B Brian Blair without stripes on his trunks I I don't have the Roddy with the brown boots. I've got the the Heart Foundation with the pink tights. I don't have the Heart Foundation with the purple tights. Sure. So there's a a few of them that I don't have. You know, I've got Greg Valentine with and without a belly button. You know, I've got some weird stuff. Um, <laughs> and you know, so so there's there's a ton of variants. I, I don't have uh, Terry Funk with his white teeth showing. I have just the you know standard Terry Funk. So a lot of variants, but. Uh, don't have them like I say the the price is shot up so much it gets it's a little rough to jump into it as you know yes absolutely it is uh well thank you Brian for calling and sharing us your memories of Sting and, Thanks, and talking LJNs because I love talking LJNs oh definitely yeah right now I've got the last day going on a poll I've had going for two months of uh who the favorite LJN is, and it's come down to Roddy Piper and Kamala are the top two in the poll, and they're neck and neck. So on Twitter, if you, if you feel like checking it out, yep, yeah, I'll be going sure to there. retweet it for you too. That's oh, awesome. I'll probably blow up. You did one yesterday on posters that blew up. So thank you, sir, and uh, uh, I'll enjoy listening to the rest of the conversation on Sting. You guys have a, a wonderful show and a, and a really great week and weekend. You too, man. You thank too, you so Brian. Much. Thank you so much. All right, little rabbit trail there on LJNs, but I do have I do have the Sting Galoob. I know Tommy's got some Galoobs in the shop. WCW merchandise was a little different than uh, like the Hasbro's. The Galoobs didn't have the movement, but Sting was a very sought after figure. So I did snag one as a kid. Let's keep the conversation rolling about our man Sting. We're going to Danny. From Butler, New Jersey. Danny, good morning, and welcome to the Sting Show. Tommy, Jumpin' Jay, good morning. Uh, always a pleasure. What's up, man? How are you, sir? I'm great, man. Uh, just uh, enjoying this uh, rainy weather. Hopefully, I, I, I get a nice uh, nap in uh, before work. And uh, I'm like I said, I'm glad that somebody chose this uh, topic of uh, Sting. I know, you know, we're 90% of the time, we are, our discussions are about uh, WWF, which you know I got no problem with. Uh, but you know, you know, growing up, obviously, like like all like both of you, I was predominantly WWF. But every once in a while, I would watch uh, the NWA uh, slash WCW on Saturdays. Um, and you know, I got to say, you know, Sting, without a doubt, um, he was definitely the franchise. Um, you know, like I said, I didn't obviously I, I wasn't following him in his early days when he, you know, when he him and the Warrior with the Blade Runners. But I did remember, I did watch him, you know, like coming like eighty seven, eighty eight, um, when he started feuding with uh, Flair. And um, you know what? Like I say, the guy he was, I guess you could say he was the NWA's Hulk Hogan at the time. You know, he was super over. Um, I preferred the surfer sting over the crow, even though, you know, the crow, I, I actually liked the character, but I think, you know, sting had more of his, uh, iconic moments as the surfer sting. 
Um, you go back, uh, you know, I remember, uh, I mean, I, I know I didn't watch it, but I remember they said WrestleMania 4, you know, the NWA, they put out the first class of the, of the champions on regular TV to compete with uh, the WWF, and he had that uh, match with Ric Flair uh, that went to, like, I think it was like a 40-minute draw or so. And, you know, the, the matches he had, well, obviously, you know, him and uh, Flair, um, I remember his matches uh, definitely, you know, definitely with Vader, but he also had great matches with, you know, Rick Rude around, like, 91, 92, when Rude was part of the Dangerous Alliance, they had a nice little feud there uh, for the United States title, and back and forth they had a a tremendous uh, war um, a war games match. Uh, I think he teamed up with Steamboat, uh, uh, Dustin Rhodes, uh, Wyndham, and I, if I forget, I'm probably forgetting somebody, but they had one of the best uh, war game matches that I remember. Uh, but like, I kind of, you know, the the I guess the one guy that you they failed to mention like I, I remember I loved his matches with the great Mutar. they had a they definitely had a some great chemistry uh, between the two and uh, you know if I had to pick one favorite moment in the sting that I saw was when he first won when he won his first title at the great American bash against flair um you know it just happened to coincide around the same time when warrior won his first title a couple months earlier from Hogan so uh, pretty much those are my uh memories of the stinger even like i said more of a wwf fan but you had to give the guy his due because he's definitely a true icon in this business absolutely man i'm looking at a list of the top 10 greatest rivals for sting and the great muda made the list so you are right on the money danny let me ask you this being a wwf guy Bret Hart and Sting had the same finishing move, but two different names. So in your mind, is that move the sharpshooter or is it the scorpion deathlock? Where do you fall? Uh, if I got to, if I got to call it like it is, I mean, Sting, I, I did. I, I'm almost certain that he uh, was using that before Bret because uh, I, I know, you know, Bret didn't, Break out into as a, as a singles competitor to I think you know after WrestleMania seven when uh he, they lost the title to the Nasty Boys and I'm pretty sure Sting was using that you know before uh, Brett uh you know you know I don't, I don't remember Brett using that match as a as a ta- that move as a tag team competitor so to play it fair I mean both you know they're both over but I don't know, I have to call it the Scorpion Deathlock. I, I respect that you brought some facts into your answer. You are mo- you are probably absolutely correct that Sting probably used it first and that Bret Hart borrowed it and maybe renamed it. Uh, and so the fact that you backed it up with information, I got to respect the answer. Hey, listen, man, you know, no respect to Bret. You know, Bret is probably my favorite wrestler. But as far as, uh, you know, originate origination, I think it would have to go to to the stinger, uh, you know, like I said, because he definitely had a, you know, a longer, you know, a singles career, uh, you know, definitely before Brett. And, you know, Sting, like I said, you always wonder what what could have been if he uh, ended up in the WWF. Uh, I'm thinking, you know, like, you know, he, you know, guys, you know, when he, you know, I, I would believe that he probably stayed in the mid-Atlantic area because of the travel, you know, everything I guess you could say was a lot easier, you know, you could probably, you know, able to drive from town to town compared to, you know, the schedule that the WWF had, you know, going uh, cross country all the time. Um, I guess, uh, you know, I guess you could say that, you know, that's probably the reason why he stayed behind and probably, you know, from the, if you remember, if you watched the WWE Legends on A&E, that's probably the reason why, Lex Luger didn't uh, didn't work out the way they expected him because probably you know he just couldn't handle the travel and he ends up going back to WCW. So if I had to pick a reason, I mean obviously I think he was loyal at first, but he probably just didn't want to have that hectic schedule. He probably wasn't built or wired uh, as everybody else was. But you know, regardless of not, he uh, definitely was a, a icon and you know one of the great of all time absolutely and you got he was the face 
of WCW, late 80s, early 90s. And so I don't know why anyone would walk away from that. It's kind of a big fish in a smaller pond situation. He was the man. And uh, if he would have joined WWF, you could argue that he would just been one more superstar on the roster and not the superstar on the roster. So I don't fault him at all for hanging right where he was. Absolutely. Like I said, the guy that he said, he, uh, you know, when I look at Sting, um, you know, when I, you know, I, and, you know, it, I kind of, you know, compare him to the Warrior when they had, you know, their moments, you know, when you think about Sting, you think about the Warrior, you think about the face paint and what it brings to that character. And I think when you have that, you know, you have that face paint on, especially when, when, when you have a big moment, when he wins his first title, you know, you look, you look at the the character, and you look at the the face paint when it's completely off. You see the the, the real person, you know, in in triumph. And just like the Warrior WrestleMania six, I always look at. I kind of compare those two because that was their first big moments. You know, knowing that they they finally arrived. And you know, they, like I said, that's the the iconic moments. Those moments that are frozen in time that you remember. You know, you you look at the paint, but it's the paint. Once that paint is is is, is faded off, you you actually see the real person, the emotion, you know, of the that moment, you know, in, in that there the moment in the sun, kind of say to, you know, show that they finally arrived, and you know, say it was that Sting, you know, he was he was great, you know, I I, I loved Sting even though I was a WWF guy, you know, he would always be uh you know one of my favorites of all time. Well said, Danny. Thank you so much, brother, for calling in and continuing the conversation. We really greatly appreciate it. Yeah, man. Thank you very much. It's funny, Jay, to hear because, you know, uh, Danny's a WWF guy like we are, you know, so us all talking about a WCW guy, it's it's different. I like like the change. We have to do some more NWA spots, WCW uh, episodes in the future. Well, like I said, uh, it's like I said, it's part of wrestling. Uh, it's you know, like I said, there, there was a, you know, it was a, you know, even though the WWF won, you know, the the ratings and you know they were more popular. You got to give the NWA credit. You know, like I said, uh, they, uh, you know, you look at WWF. Absolutely. They were they were you were more of a, you know, like I said, WWF was more about the entertainment and the gimmicks when the NWA at that time before it was WCW was more about the in-ring performance and whatnot. It wasn't as much of a, a cartoon gimmick, but, you know, like I said, they, you know, every, you know, I guess everything works out one way or another. And, you know, you know, those stars, you know, they, they made it work, you know, and Sting was, you know, Sting was definitely no exception in that era. Yeah, man. Well, thanks so much for calling, man. We'll talk to you next week. All right, guys. You uh, you guys take it easy. Have a great weekend. You too, bro. Thank you so much, man. Jumping All right, you there, brother. I'm here. The conversation just keeps rolling on Sting. Next up in the call line is Tom from Parsippany, New Jersey. Welcome back, you're Tom. Beautiful. Good morning. Tom, you're good bleeding. morning, guys. How are you? Good morning. How are you? Doing well, doing well, thanks. And I can't start a conversation without Sting. You can't start the conversation without going, ow! He always used to do his Tony, Tony Schiavone. used to always give him a great introduction. This is Sting. And that was always great. Um, my memories, my great memories, I hope you guys are doing well, by the way. My great memories of Sting go back, actually, to the early 90s. And, Tommy, you may remember this. Do you remember when the NWA invaded the area and actually they were doing cards at the Meadowlands Arena? Absolutely. And I had, I actually had tick. I was going, I went to a couple of events with a friend of mine who was a, a much bigger NWA fan than WWF. And I liked both, uh, both leagues, but um, I was a fan of both leagues, but we had tickets to go see a show. And it was like, in, I think it was like in February of 91. I'm trying to remember. And it was Flair against Sting 
and I, I think Sting was the champion, and he ended up dropping the title to Flair. But unfortunately, we got hit with a blizzard that day on the East Coast, and we could yep. not get to the arena. So I was so disappointed oh, because dude. there was going to be we knew there was going to be a title hold change. On, hold on, real quick, real quick. I don't mean to cut you yeah. off. Let yeah. me set the stage. Yeah. I had tickets for that same show. And I couldn't go either because of the blizzard. So I remember it very oh, well. Oh, you re- so you remember that day? I had I had tickets for the same show. My mom wouldn't take me, and well, Sting that's won the, the title thing that with night. us too. Yep, we we were teenagers. My friend Chris and yep. the, the town we were living at the time. We were about a half an hour away from the Meadowlands Arena, and 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 my mom and his parents are like, "There's no way we're giving you the car. It's like yep. a foot of snow. You'll never make it to the Meadowlands. You're gonna get stuck." And we were so disappointed because we tried by hook or crook to get there because we were such big wrestling fans, and we were so disappointed. But um, that's amazing that you you remember that day vividly. That's like that was like '91. That's crazy. Yep. And and listen to this. Not only that, but let me let me see if you remember this. Now you you live you live in Parsippany, so you're only about. I mean, well, but at the time at the time I was living at the time I was living in Bloomfield. Okay, so I mean you're you're neighbors with me pretty much, right? So the next yeah, day. Yeah, yep. You remember this very well. Is back then all the local newspapers in New Jersey, wrestling was always in the sports section. They would always do articles pre and post match. I remember yep. the newspaper the next day. I I, I I got to the sports section to see what the results were, and it said that Sting captured the NWA title. And I just, I, don't, I couldn't I was, believe I can't fucking Tommy, believe I, I was this. so. I know. You know what? I was so we were so disappointed because we had heard that there was going to be a title change, and yeah. we and I, that would have been great to be there because I've been to many matches, uh, pay per views over the years, and everything. I've never. It would have been great to see a world title change. I've seen the tag team belts uh, change hands, the Intercontinental, the U.S. all different belts, but that so would have been great to see that. Yeah, man. So that's something that you remember that I can't believe you remember that day vividly. It was like yeah, we got we had, hit with like like two feet of snow that day. Yep, we had we had tickets. Me and my my mom was taking me, and like I said, I couldn't I couldn't believe the next day I looked in the newspaper and it said this thing won the title. I'm like I can't. Yeah. I was so upset. I was so. And, upset. and I just want to I just want to give a props to, a shout out to uh, to the brain. Uh, I love uh, listening to his uh, uh, checking him out on Twitter, and he knows so much about wrestling, and also. Uh, Danny from Butler hit the nail on the head when he said that uh, one of Sting's best feuds were against the Great Muda. Great Muda and him had such great matches; they were tremendous. Oh yeah. And um, I also I remember a feud that Sting had in the early '90s against Cactus Jack, which was really good. Absolutely, yeah, man. He had a, Sting... a really good, a crazy feud with Cactus Jack Manson. It was excellent. And um, Sting just checked all the boxes, unlike the Ultimate Warrior. Sting. Sting, uh, you know, he, he looked good. He was muscular. He was tanned up. The NWA used to always, uh, uh, you know, say he was from uh, Venice Beach, California. I guess that was a little little uh, a little dig to uh, Hulk Hogan and his WWF. But he spoke well. Uh, he always looked good. He always color-coordinated his costumes. Like, I remember when the NWA, um, Jumpin' Jay, had the Great American Bash in early July. That was one of their big pay-per-views. Sting would come out with, like, uh, red, white, and blue uh jacket and 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 tights and his face paint would be red white and blue so he was he was super cool he i i love surfers thing i i think he was just he was just tremendous he was awesome yeah man i agree i would have you know and he had that move. i know I, yeah and i know last uh, week you spoke about with king kong bundy how bundy had the splash sting before he did the scorpion leg lock always used to set his opponents up with the stinger splash which was great it was great. He had a fantastic move set, a fantastic look, and on that same list of rivalries, Mick Foley's on there. So you're hitting the nail on the head, and Mick Foley credits Sting as helping put him on the map as far as what he could do in the ring. Uh, back then he was Cactus Jack, of course, but he made the list of top rivals for Sting, so you're right on the money, Tom. Wow. That's right. That's great, guys. That's great. So listen, keep up the great work. And uh, of course, Tommy, I can't believe I'll have to talk to you more when I see you about that, that going to that match at the, you know, not, unfortunately not making it during the blizzard. But before I leave, of course, Tommy, I got to give you the line. You're bleeding, man. I, I said it to you when you first called it. I don't know if you heard me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, got, I beat you to the punch. Listen, guys, take care. I'll, I'll, I'll talk to you soon. Keep up the great work. All right, man. Thanks, Tom. All right, thank you, Tom. 
All right, we've been running through the list of callers. Tommy, we got one more guy that's been hanging on, and just because I know that this man is such a huge fan of Ric Flair, I got to believe he's got just as much respect and just as much to say about the icon Sting. It's time, Tommy. It's time for Total with Tom. Good morning, sir. Good morning. You're absolutely right. I have the utmost respect for Sting. I do believe that if he went to the WWF, he would have been the next Hulk Hogan. I mean, he had more wrestling ability than, you know, Hogan did or the Warrior. I mean, the thing that scares me is that it ever happened because I don't think, and I find this hard to believe, but I heard this on, somebody said this, I don't know if it was a wrestler or I heard on another show. They said that when Sting finally made it to the WWE, you know, and he was wrestling Triple H at that WrestleMania, Vince was second-guessing the fact that he brought in Sting for the match, and he was asking some of the boys, you know, is this guy going to get over? And they looked at him, and they're like, you don't know who Sting is? It, it almost made me think that Vince was like, in his own universe sometimes, he didn't know what was going on in the other federations. I found it to be a strange story. But, yeah, I totally agree. Sting definitely would have been a champ for years. I think he would have had great matches with Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. Um, I'm pretty sure they would have had the belts around their waist, uh, even though Sting would have been there. Um, and, yeah, that Scorpion Deathlock, that is the move. And I'm a huge Bret Hart fan, but that is the move. Um, and Sting got it from a, a, a New Japan wrestler called Ricky Chozu. Uh, for all you Japanese wrestling fans out there, he's the one who invented it. And then um, I wanted to say that, Joe, who called in earlier today, first caller, right, first-time caller, he's already the second most intelligent listener now to this show because I pretty much agreed with everything he said. So I hope I get to hear from him more uh, in the next few weeks. And then lastly, I want to touch on that show at the Meadowlands that you were just talking with about uh, with uh, Tom from Parsippany. Yeah, I had tickets for that one as well, and the weather was obviously the reason I didn't make it. Um, they weren't going to drop the title originally that night. It was supposed to be Sting was going to keep the belt, but because there was like, I don't know, like 700 or 1,000 people that wound up going to the Meadowlands, they actually did give uh, Flair the belt. It was almost like a thank you to the fans who actually showed up because uh, I remember reading about that in the newsletter that uh, he was going to win the belt, but it wasn't going to be at a house show because a lot of times, Titles didn't drop at house shows. I had gone to a Meadowlands show previously, and I remember watching the Steiner brothers beat the Midnight Express for the U.S. tag team titles, and that completely shocked me because I was like, man, they never change titles at house shows, at least, you know, not in the early 90s because pay-per-view had become a staple. But, um, uh, yeah, the Meadowlands, that was always a great watch to go and, and see NWA, and I would also see WWE there as well. And sometimes the NWA would go to – what was the name of the theater that was, like, next to Madison Square Garden? It was, like, Paramount. the Paramount Theater? Yeah, yeah Paramount I was, there, I was there for that. I was I was there for some of those, too. Hey, real yeah. quick, Tom, yeah. while I got you on. So, yeah, what you're, you're, you're talking about how, like, they did a couple title changes at the Meadowlands. you got to remember, back then, uh, this, this is WWE territory. WW. Right. I mean, now we we can talk now about how AEW is is pretty much taking over uh, Jersey as far as because the Prudential Center was a WWE building. You know that Tom, and, and and they would always run either SmackDown or Raw there, and they had house shows there all the time. Since the pandemic, they have not been back there, and hmm. AEW has been there. This is like probably like the fourth fifth time they're doing a pay per view there in November. So I find it interesting that. Uh, that building now is pretty much run by uh, AEW. WWE hasn't gone back there, but real quickly, just to backtrack, uh, back then, NWA coming up this way was a gigantic deal for them because this was WWE territory. What was like you? you, you I mean, I know you're just you, you're a wrestling fan uh, of many different promotions, Tom. What was it like for you? having the NWA come up to your neck of the woods when they're never up this way. I mean, they I mean, they, they were in Philly, they were in Baltimore, but like coming to New Jersey, in my opinion, even, even as a kid, I thought it was a big deal, but like now you look back at it, like it was like almost like 
it was like unheard of for them to step foot in WWE's WWF at the time's backyard, you know? Well, you're absolutely right. I mean, I was probably in college when they came back to the end, uh, when they came back to the Meadowlands. The last time the NWA was in the Meadowlands was 1982, and it was culminated by a, a Ricky Steamboat, Ric Flair, 42-minute match for the title. And that was the last time they were in the Meadowlands. And I had that tape because I remember always saying I wanted to see some NWA shows at the Meadowlands, so I, I got that tape as a tape trader. And when they came back, and I think it was like 1989, maybe 88, I forget, 88, 89, when they came back, I was very excited to go see them. And uh, I tried to go to all the shows. As I said, I saw Mean Mark, uh, who later went on to become The Undertaker. You know, I saw him wrestle there first. I saw the uh, Steiner Brothers win the U.S. Tag Team titles. I, I'm pretty sure I saw Flair in the main event. Uh, or Sting in the main event. My my, my memory doesn't really, I, I don't really remember. I'd have to see the, the whole card just to remember. I saw Ron Simmons as the WCW champ. I saw him defend, I think it was at that Paramount Theater. Well, yeah, I mean, like, I was a big, huge fan. And I've said this before on the show. The NWA was more about wrestling, and the WWF was more about, like, the entertainment, much like it is today um, with AEW. So, now, I was going to go to the AEW show, Tommy. I was going to get tickets uh, for the Prudential Center, but I kind of have a, 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 a in my mouth after what happened uh, a few weeks ago after their last pay-per-view, and I decided not to do it. I just said, you know, until Tony Khan gets his house in order, I, I just can't see myself spending money and, and, and going to that event. I don't even think I'm going to buy it on pay-per-view, to be honest. And, and I'm a big MJF fan as well but I just don't like the direction they're going in and what's happened. And I know he has no control over some of that stuff, but last night's show from Arthur Ashe stadium was hot. It was a great crowd and a lot of stuff was happening, uh, you know, and that's great. And I'm happy for it. And WWE had a tremendous show in England, not England, uh, Cardiff 60,000 plus hot show. Wrestling's definitely on the uptrend and the independents are hot as well. Yeah, man. Well, listen, Thank you very much for calling as always, and uh, we will see you tomorrow night at the King of ISPW tournament taking place at the Totowa PAL in Totowa, New Jersey, an eight-man, one-night tournament to crown the King of ISPW. While I got you on the line real quick, just to let you know, in the tournament itself will be Alpha Jr., the superstar Danny Morrison, Bull James, LSG. Sean Donovan, Rick Recon, Trax, and Michael Mars. Who are you picking? I know you, you said so on uh, on Facebook, but here on the on the on the podcast, this is what else here is when we run down the results next week to see if you were right. Who is going to be the king of ISPW? Well, I told you a couple weeks ago at the Wrestling Collector, I'm going to make some, I'm going to bring some signs to the arena, and I have one sign which says King. Recon. There you go. King Recon. Rick Recon. Totowa Tom is predicting to become the first king of ISW once again tomorrow night, 7.30 p.m. bell time, Totowa, PAL, Totowa, New Jersey. Enzo Amore, the real one, will be in the house along with Bill DeMott, who will actually be presenting the winner of the tournament with a cape and... Uh, crown. So I'm looking forward to tomorrow, man. We'll see you there, Tom. Thank you so much. Most definitely, and uh, hopefully I'll see you on Monday too. Yeah, man, I will be there, and we'll talk about that as well. The uh, the last match musical, pro wrestling rock musical, is going to be in New Jersey this coming Monday. We'll talk about that momentarily. Tom, thank you so much, I hope brother. The guy from, I hope the guy from Canada calls because this was his topic. He's on. He's yeah. on hold right now. He's on hold right All now, right. brother. Right now, waiting. So we're going to get to him. Tom, thank you as always. And Later. Uh, up next, the man created this topic. He asked for it last week on the podcast. And just so you know, uh, your package is officially on the way. It was shipped, I believe, last Thursday after we spoke. Got some extra goodies in there for you because you are one of our favorite callers. And, 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 Jay, you announce them better than I do, so I'll let you do the honors on this one. 
Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the man with so many talents from a country that's so much better than yours. It's Surfer Canadian. David, welcome to the program, sir. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you, Tommy. I, I, that, I'm really looking forward to when that arrives. I could, I could use a pick-me-up. Uh, I called you guys a couple weeks ago and said I had stomach flu, got over that, and then I caught COVID. So I've been off ah. for a few days and um, st- uh, feeling a lot better, but uh, still pretty stuffed up and recovering from that. So it's, it's great oh, that sorry, I man. got something to look forward to in the mail, and it's great that I'm talking to you today. Yeah, man. So, yeah, we, 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 we asked you last week for you to pick the topic for this week, and you went with the stinger, and that's what we're going with. So, uh, obviously, we, we've mentioned this many times in the past. You grew up, like us, primarily a WWE fan. So what was it about Sting that gravitated you towards him as a, as a child? I think it was it was it was because he was different, right? Because he was always the one for me when I was growing up that I always I knew. Like he was he was out there, and I get you know he was in, in some ways the face of the company. But I think it was the the face paint that really first drew me in because you know not a lot of guys wore. I mean, there were guys in WWE that did face paint or and, and whatnot, but it wasn't it wasn't as common. And even in, in WCW, it wasn't as common. So he was, you know, I like that. I like the fact that he could reinvent himself. And I, I, I think one thing I re- really appreciate about Sting, especially even now is you go back and you watch like his, his matches, like with when, uh, when he was with um, Warrior in the Blade Runners and like before, like they were terrible. Like there, there are matches where, you know, there's um a DVD that um, that maybe you can buy at the wrestling collector. Who knows? But there's there's a DVD that WWE put out called Sting Into the Light, and it's got a bunch of matches. And it has some of his earlier matches, and it was like they had like two moves. You know, they could like give a clothesline and they could body slam somebody, and that's pretty much all he could do. And you know, to see him go from from that, you know, the, or the guy who you know was working out in Muscle Beach in Venice, California, trying to make his way into Hollywood and then went to a wrestling show one night with his buddy and got hooked. To see him come from that to, like, what he became and and the star that he became and someone who worked at his craft as much as he did to get better and to become sort of one of the, the household names. Like, even, you know, Thing is, was a name, right? And that's the thing. Whether you watched WCW you know, NWA, or you didn't, uh, you knew who Sting was, right? He was one of those guys that, yes, I was a WWE guy, but I knew who he was, and because of that, I paid attention to him. And I think, you know, just seeing that and seeing him change from that, the Stinger, you know, the Surfer character into the Crow and, and just run with that. I mean, you know, it's hard for, I think, anybody to, to you know, he was basically didn't wrestle for a year. When he when he switched from the surfer character into the crow character, he was just kind of there. You know, he was up in the rafters, or there was a shot of him here. Or he was just, you know, the show was going off the air, and then he was kind of there. He was like watching everything, right? And and the build that he got, like it's just, I'm I'm a huge fan of 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 the wrestler, but I'm and and what he's overcome in his first life. I'm a huge fan of the man. Like I just I have a lot of respect for Sting, and it's always somebody who's. I've always been drawn towards as a character and as a wrestler. Nice, man. Sorry, that was yeah, a never rant. My apologies. No, man. I, 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 I say here just pretty much shaking my head to everything that you were saying. Now, growing up a big WWF fan, uh, how cool would it have been for you to see Sting in the WWF during that you know, golden era period from say ninety uh, eighty eight to ninety two. Uh, what what would have been your dream situation? Being a big stick fan of having him debut, and I know I'm putting you on the spot to to book this on the fly, but sometimes we got to do that, jumping Jay. So uh, real quickly, not much time to think about it. If it was nineteen ninety. You know, re- rewind the, the the clock, and and I'm giving you Sting. What what would you do with them uh, when you first brought him into the WWE? Uh, I think like for me, I know we got it later, but the, the Sting Hogan would have been something that I would have loved to have seen. 
Um, I think that would have been, you know, a, a great match. But I also think um, I think you Sting know, Savage. I'd love to see Sting, Sting Savage. I'd, I'd love that. I would have loved to have seen that in the WWF. For sure. I, I think also um, Sting and Bret Hart would have been something that I would have loved to have seen um, at the time. I think that that would have been a would have been a really good one too. Right, like again, like a lot of these things maybe happened down the road when he left. But I think, like when when they these guys left WWF and went to um, that, and I think knowing the history, like you know the the Sting Warrior match that we never got, I think would have been pretty cool too. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, man. So, um, what what do you think? Also, since you, this is your topic, we, we brought up so, we, and we didn't really get a chance to touch upon this year, and I'd like to, what was your thoughts on when Sting finally, eventually uh, found his way to the WWE just a couple of years back? What, what, what's your take on that run that he had? I, I think it's a missed opportunity. Um, I, I think it was probably done maybe at the wrong time. Like, I, I think, you know, he was very protective of his character, and, and, and he was worried, you know, that he, that he wouldn't be managed right. And that's one of the reasons he didn't go earlier. Yeah. Um, plus, he had the loyalty to WCW while it was still around. But after that, you know, when he went to TNA, he was worried about maybe going and seeing what might have happened. And I, I think it's just, you know, like, like I've, I've watched, I've seen his WrestleMania match that he had with Triple H. And it was, it's a great match. But it's, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, it feels like it's just like, actually, here's just a big reminder to everybody that, you know, WWE won the Monday Night Wars. And it's just like, do we really need that? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I just feel like, yeah, and then he got injured too. But I, I, you know, it was like, you know, I wish I'd seen that. My, my overall, I wish I'd seen this earlier. And I wish you'd had better idea of what to do with Sting. Because... Sure. You know, if you look at now, like he went to AEW and yeah, he's in his 60s now, but, you know, I feel like they figured out what to do with him. Right. And, and the character that, you know, the role he has in AEW right now works and the role he had in WWE never really worked. And it, 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 you know, it was like, there was the initial excitement and then it's like, Oh yeah, it would have been nice if this happened earlier. That's kind of my thought on that. Sure. How about you, Jay? I have no problem with Triple H being the opponent at WrestleMania. With that particular event, I was very disappointed that Sting did not win. Yes, this is Sting. Yes, he's been the face of WCW, the face of what was your biggest competition. But that was in the past. WWE owned WCW as far as just being a pure wrestling fan, Sting's WrestleMania moment should have been a victory. And like David indicated, it should not have just been a reminder of the Monday Night Raw versus Monday Night Wars. I am not a fan of his run in the WWE. I feel like it was wasted. I feel like they could have had him come in, had him get over at WrestleMania, and then maybe that was all we needed to see. And then, you know, he goes into stuff with Seth Rollins. He gets injured. He just kind of fades away. I was very disappointed. I thought he deserved, for everything he gave to the world of professional wrestling, I felt he deserved a WrestleMania moment more fitting of him than what he got. Yeah, man, I can't, I can't disagree with that. Um, they, they definitely could have did a better job. Uh, with him again, I had no problem with, with it being Triple H either. Um, but just the presentation of it, the way they did it. Uh, I mean, I, again, it, you look back on it, and it, wrestling's all about it's about making moments and memories, right? So if you look back on that match, who the hell can forget NWO and DX both coming out and confronting each other face to face for the first time ever? Uh, so if you look at it from that way, man, like. I know, I know it was during the Sting and Triple H match, and but the, the moment that was created there, uh, that's something that I'll never forget. I'm sure that wrestling fans will never forget that. It was just a special moment. So I, I kind of like intertwined that into that match. So if you look at it from that way, man, it was pretty cool, you know? 
That yeah, I'll give you that moment was cool. cool. Yeah. But and but, part, again, but yeah, they could have they could have done wait. Listen, they could have done. I'm not. I'm not. I'm, I, I agree with you guys. They could have done way more, way more with Sting. Like they could have had Sting up in the Raptors for six months, and then that could have led to a match with him and Russell. Like they could have done a lot of different things. But again, with, with WWE, it's the way it always is. Like you know, shoulda, coulda, woulda. But I mean, it is what it is, unfortunately. But yeah, they 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 could have did a much better job with his presentation. Let me ask both of you guys this question. I am kind of a fan of when a wrestler is making his last great run that you kind of have a throwback to the nostalgic period. Hogan, NWO, black and white was amazing, but he returned to the red and yellow for a little bit at the tail end of his career. What would you guys have felt if Sting returned to Surfer Sting for his run in the WWE? I would have freaking love that. I would have thought it would have been awesome. But however, the, the only problem with that is is that he ain't going to have that, you know, bleach blonde spiky hair. Like his, he's, he's, he's older now, you know, so he wouldn't look the same. That's the only problem. Whereas with, with the face paint and all that stuff, doing the, the crow character, he can, he can paint his face when he's 80 like that and still some way, somehow look almost exactly like he did. Whereas doing the surfer gimmick, you know, I mean, you got to remember he was all the flamboyant with different colors and, and, you know, baby oiled up and freaking jacked and like, it would have looked a little bit different, but it would have been cool. Definitely. Yeah. Like, I think it's, it's, I think it, it, it might've been cool stage of the game. Like I don't, based on like what some things you were alluding to, Tommy, like the youthfulness of it, I'm not sure it would have worked. Like, I think it would have been like, okay, cool. You know, it would have been one of those like, oh, cool, he's back to the thing. And then and then we would have seen it and gone like, you know, you're probably kind of too old to do that. You know, not, that, not, only, that's not only that, but in my opinion, uh, in my opinion, Sting was a far bigger star as that Crow character than he – I mean, I'm not taking away anything. I, 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 I personally love the, the uh, Surfer Sting. But the box oh, yeah, office, in my opinion, when he became the crow, when you know Nitro was red hot right in the middle of the the Monday Night War, so I I I agree with WWE going with that version of Sting because that's what you know more people uh, remember him as because there was far more eyes on wrestling at that time than it was in ninety one ninety two when he was doing the Surfer Sting, you know. Yeah, for sure. Um, and one point I wanted to bring up. Is- just quick because I, I heard it on an interview with him with um, Sting the other day. He was one of Jim Ross's podcasts, the earlier version before he was with Conrad Thompson. He did an interview with Sting, and one of the things he brought up, he said that the reason they started wearing he started wearing face paint as the the Blade Runners with Warrior, and the reason they did it was because they were hoping by doing the face paint they were going to get a run with um, the Road Warriors which never actually materialized at the time. But that's why he actually painted his face, to ve- like, to begin with. That's just how that was. Oh, wow. Neat. That's interesting. That That is interesting. And then both so him I and know, Warrior kind of the on a whim face. and do it, and look what happened. Yeah, man. Yeah. Right. It's iconic. Listen, man, I hope, you're feeling a little bit, I hope you're feeling a little bit better. And uh, hopefully we call next week you're 100% back to normal again. Uh, I sure hope so, too. Thank you, Tommy. And uh, I wish you uh, all the success this weekend with the King of ISPW tournament. I would also say my money's on Rick Recon, so we'll see if uh, Tola, Tom, and I are right. And, wow. uh, Jay, all the best to you, and we'll, we'll hey, you talk too. to you guys soon. Hey, thanks for picking the topic, man. Great topic. Six callers yeah, today. Man. What a fun show. Uh, I'm glad, guys. We'll take care. All right, we'll, brother. Uh, I look forward to listening to the rest of the show later. Thanks, man. Have a great weekend, all right? You too. All right, man. So, so Jump and Jay, we're winding down. We're on the last uh, minute or two. So I got to put you on the spot. Now, I know when I originally announced this tournament uh, a few months back, you gave me an initial, uh, initial pick. But I want to see if you're sticking with that pick or you're going with someone else. The king of ISPW tournament tomorrow evening once again. The Totowa PAL in Totowa, New Jersey. Anyone that lives in the New Jersey area, come out to be an awesome night, just like the King of the Ring 
WWF style tournament. It's going to be the same way. I have the throne, Jay. I have the the purple cape, the crown, the scepter. I have it all, man. We're going all out. And uh, who is your pick, Jay, to become the king of ISW tomorrow night? Well, I believe my original pick was Sean Donovan. Like he Correct. had some, yeah, he had some stuff cooking. He was on the uptick. What I did not anticipate is that Rick, Rick Recon has exploded. And not only has he got a lot of momentum behind him, but he's picking up people like Dave LaGreca. He's got Miss DeVille. He's got himself a little stable there. So I think that's not a bad pick, but it ain't going to beat Sean Donovan. I'll tell you that much. Wow, if Sean Donovan is not sitting on the throne at the end of tomorrow night, he probably got screwed out of his win. I'm just going to be honest with you. Some shenanigans went down at the King of ISPW tournament if Sean Donovan is not wearing a crown. There you go, man. We'll find out tomorrow night, once again, the King of ISPW tournament. And then this Monday in Jersey City, New Jersey, at White Eagle Hall, the last match, a pro wrestling rock musical, two shows this Monday night. Uh, this Monday night at 7.30, and then there's a afternoon show at 2.30. So you have two opportunities to see the last match this Monday in Jersey City. And let me tell you, Jay, I've, I've, I've said in on some of the rehearsals, man, you guys are going to be absolutely, positively, 5 billion percent blown away by the presentation this Monday Matt Cordona will be there and be a part of it. He will be doing a meet and greet in between the two sessions as well from 5 to 6.30. So a big weekend here in uh, New Jersey, Jay. Again, Friday, tomorrow, the King of ISW, Totoa PAL, Totoa, New Jersey. Then Saturday, man, it's, I, I live in a town. I'm, I'm sure you heard of the band Lincoln Park. I live in Lincoln Park, New Jersey, and it's our 100th year anniversary uh this saturday jay so there's gonna be a little you know town uh town day i have a ispw wrestling collector booth set up for my hometown so i'm doing that saturday and then uh monday is uh hey and then sunday man uh sunday i'm disappointed because my giants are not on my two and oh new york giants and i haven't been able to say that in a very long time uh, I'm a little disappointed they're going to be playing Monday night. Uh, so it, it, against the Cowboys of all teams at home, I really <laughs> wanted to go to this game, but obviously the uh, the musical is far more important. So it will be a busy weekend here in Jersey. Listen, brother, this is like you've been talking about this King of ISBW tournament for such a long time. We've been talking about the last match. For such a big time. These events seem like they're so far out in the future. Time flies. And it's this weekend that it's all going down. I'm excited. And I don't get to go to either one of these things. I wish I got to go to them both. I'm so happy for you, man. Because this is a huge, huge weekend. Yeah, man. And I I appreciate it very much, Jay. And I'll I'll keep you posted uh, throughout the weekend. Let you know. I know that you're going to want to know. Probably you, you probably can't wait to, to 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 log on to your wife's Facebook on Saturday to go on my page to see who won the King of ISW. I know you're going to want to know Friday night, so you text me Friday night, Jay, and uh, I will tell you who won uh, tomorrow night. Well, cause listen, I I I know for a fact that my man Donovan. I don't know if I I think it's public knowledge the tournament he he faces tracks. In round one, correct. Donovan, that's that. You might as well give Donovan a buy. Buy. He's going to round two, and then he's going to face either Morrison or Bull to get to the championship. Look, if it's going to be Rick Recon, he's going to have to go through Donovan in the last match of the night. It, it ain't happening. Donovan. So who who who, 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 are you who you who you predicting for the finals? Listen, I will say just because Rick Recon seems to be falling into like a groove that. He can make it to the finals. It's going to be Recon against Donovan, but there ain't no stopping Donovan, man. He's, he's on his path to the crown, and then he's just going to – he's going to 
he's just going to, yeah, he's going to be the Royal Donovan from now on. And he's just going to rule over ISPW until the next tournament. <laughs> we'll find out tomorrow night, man. And I will let you know, Jay, tomorrow night uh, who wins the king of ISW. So uh, you're not sitting at the computer on Saturday morning, logged in under your wife's Facebook, dying for me to post the results. I will let you know tomorrow night because I know that you're anticipating. And hopefully, all joking aside, hopefully some of the local fans in the area are anticipating as well. I know I am. Tommy, are you there? You seem to cut out. I can't hear you anymore. Tommy, are you there? Well, maybe I'm the one you can't hear. Who knows? But either way, ISBW, the king of ISBW taking place tomorrow night at the Total of PAL. And then the last match this weekend, we talked about Sting today. Surfer Sting, Crow Sting, the Icon Sting. What a topic. Next week, the plan was to talk about everything that happens this weekend in Tommy's world. Find the updates to the King of ISBW Tournament. Find out how the last match went. It all goes down next week right here on 80s Wrestling, the podcast.